Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the bull, and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all. Hi everyone, my name's Amanda Stoker and this is Just Quietly, a podcast where we talk hopefully in a bit of a fun and light way about some of the big issues of our time. And for those of you who haven't already noticed, it is International Men's Health Week, an important opportunity for us to um, remind the blokes we love and care about of the importance of taking really good care of their physical and mental health. And I don't know about you, but um, my wonderful husband is someone who's pretty hard to get to a doctor. He's um, he's tough as they come. And so in our household, there's got to be regular reminders of the need to prioritise this stuff. So um, I have with me someone who has had a, a really interesting professional career, but also a really difficult health journey. And what makes it especially interesting is that he is a really young bloke. So um, welcome to the podcast, Hugo Tuvi. Hi, Amanda. Thanks very much for having me. It's really great to have you, Hugo. Tell us a little bit about your background, both um, professionally and um, your story about health. Yeah, sure. Look, so I'm uh, currently... 28 years of age, and I'm a captain in the Australian Army. So I've uh, been in the Army for 10 years now, left straight from school. Thank you so much for your service. That is just wonderful. Yeah, no, no worries at all. It's, um, you know, it's uh, been a very enjoyable 10 years, and I'm a very uh, strong advocate for the Army. And as you're about to find out, the support they've also given me over my my health journey, um, which, which did start back seven years ago when I was 21. And I had about six months left of training at the Royal Military College Duntroon. So it's about four years of training all up. I did three years at ADFA and then 12 months at Duntroon. And so you got to the end months. of four years of training to find your crook. Yeah, exactly. So oh, was, man, that must be hard. You know, pretty, pretty fit and healthy. You know, I was 21, fit and healthy, doing you know per, uh, PT and field exercises for the Army. And that's when I one day just noted a, noticed a little pea-sized lump like a hard little pea-sized lump on my right testicle. And uh, it was probably there for, looking back on it, probably upwards of six months plus, which um, which is quite a while. But because it was painless um, and I didn't have any other real complications or symptoms, I didn't really think much of it. And like you said before about your husband, I was very much the same. I was like a lot of young blokes and I kind of was pretty naive and, just kind of went along with my daily life and until I spoke to my dad one morning and he just said, look, mate, it's probably worth going off to a doctor. And uh, he kind of gave me that push, which I eventually did. And unfortunately, in the space of 24 hours, I was basically told that I had testicular cancer. So it was all a bit of a shock. So a big thanks to your dad for some good advice um, because, you know, that if that advice hadn't come, I guess we may not be having this conversation. Yeah, absolutely, and it was it was one of those interesting ones where I look back at back at it now, and with what I've gone through, and then as you'll find, my, my story is more than unfortunately more than just a testicular cancer. But I kind of look back at that moment and go, you know, why why was I so naive? Um, you know, it it's really was not difficult at all to walk across to a, a GP and to tell them that I had this lump, and it was all pretty simple, pretty minimally invasive. Um, but because I did put it off. 
the cancer had spread, unfortunately, to my abdominal lymph nodes. Oh so what would have been a pretty um, pretty minor surgery to remove the affected testicle. When I say minor, you've, you know, you've still got testicular cancer. But for a lot of people out there who do get diagnosed with testicular cancer, if you catch it early, the only level of treatment you really need is surgery to remove that testicle. Uh, but unfortunately, I wasn't one of those people who caught it early and it did spread. So it meant I had to have about four months of pretty arduous chemotherapy and, and a full-on um, open abdominal surgery after that. And how'd all that go? Yeah, look, it was difficult, Amanda, because that was literally towards the very end of my training at RMC. And it was a, I managed to graduate still as a young lieutenant, but it was a bittersweet feeling because, you know, on one hand, I just graduated as a young officer in the Australian Army. But on the other hand, I was about to embark on some chemotherapy. And I actually did that as little as six days later. Um, so whilst all my fellow army mates were getting posted around Australia to con- continue their army career, I was um, back at my hometown in Adelaide and I was embarking on some some pretty full-on intense chemotherapy. So it was difficult. You know, I remember my hair all came out and I was pretty sick, uh, frail, uh, fatigued, nauseous. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, <laughs> this is not where I thought I would end up. And um, it really uh, was difficult for my mental health as well at that time. So, so it tell- was a bit of a journey. And then after the chemo, I then had a pretty full-on surgery, which was about an eight eight to 10-hour operation to remove all, all my abdominal lymph nodes. Wow. Um, and I was in ICU for a while. I was in hospital for over a month. Uh, lost a lot of weight. It was very crook. Um, and then had to embark on the next sort of couple of years of, of rehab and recovery to to build that strength up to be uh, to be medically upgraded in the army and to hopefully one day, which was my goal at the time, to be deployed and, and continue my service overseas. Now, it must be, um, tell me if I'm wrong, I don't want to make any assumptions, it must be particularly hard for someone who is a clearly intelligent and strong, fit bloke to go through a process that does break you down to being very frail and and weak and um, dependent on others for a period of time. How does that how does that go mentally and um, how do you get through it? Yeah, no, and absolutely like well said because that's exactly how I felt and it's um it uh, look it it was difficult because at that stage I'd never really experienced any any issues with my mental health. Uh, I was always quite quite positive and upbeat and, and quite happy, generally speaking. Um, so when I kind of went through that part of my journey and I did kind of experience probably my first experiences of mental illness and, and bouts of sort of anxiety and depression without being officially diagnosed at that stage, looking back on it, I would definitely say that I probably was depressed. Uh, I kept it quite hidden and that's because I probably didn't know how to express my emotions and, and realise the importance of being vulnerable. Do you so think when that's people come hard in, for blokes. Well, yeah, absolutely, and I think that I, I felt like that was the the perception I needed to have. So when people would visit me in the hospital, it would be you know, oh, Hugo's so positive. You know, Hugo's always got such a big smile on his face. Which yeah, I, I do like to try and live that way. But at the same time, there were times when I'd be by myself, and I'd really be struggling. Um, but I felt like I didn't want to burden my family and my friends because I was already going through this serious illness and going through this serious treatment for cancer that I didn't want to then put on them that, oh, I'm also really struggling mentally here as well. So 
look, that that's the way I did it. And I've now learned, obviously, throughout my journey, that was how important it is not to do that and how important it is to be open and share your emotions, uh, which, you know, I eventually did do throughout the course of the next sort of, you know, few years. It's a really difficult thing, isn't it? We think that we will burden other people by being vulnerable when there's a lot of research now that's showing that it can, in fact, be the key to stronger relationships because we are uh, more honest and real with the people around us. And um, I think that might be something that's particularly hard for um, really strong alpha kind of blokes to do because they're used to being the ones that are taking care of others. So good on you for working through that. There's a level of emotional sophistication there that um, hopefully you won't have to use it in this context again, but will no doubt be handy through you know, many different aspects of life now. Mm, no, absolutely. And couldn't agree more with that. And then, you know, years later when I unfortunately got, um, got through my testicular cancer days, but then got diagnosed with bowel cancer, which was completely separate cancer and had to go on a bit of a journey for my bowel cancer. There are a few silver linings there that I'd like to kind of touch on because when I was a young naive, 21, 22 year old, I, I didn't really grasp the concept of what you were just talking about on being vulnerable and the importance of sharing your emotions. And then for me as well, the importance of early detection and going off to a doctor in the first instance, which I didn't do with my testicular cancer. So I suppose fast track five years when I did get diagnosed with bowel cancer, although yes, that was a very difficult time emotionally because I've just been diagnosed with another cancer, at least I got detected early. So I suppose what I'd learned from my testicular cancer prompted me to, as soon as I noticed a few complications with my bowel and a few sort of symptoms, I went straight off to the doctor, had a colonoscopy, and the doctor said, look, mate, yes, you have bowel cancer, and yes, you're going to require some, some surgery and some treatment, but the good news is you have got it early. Um, so I suppose that's the kind of silver lining there is that, and these messages that we're, you know, we're talking about now in these conversations is that I'm now passionate in getting uh, my message out there for other men of all ages, but especially young men, to realise the importance of going to a doctor and the importance of early detection. So it's um, yeah, something I like to say that, you know, in a weird way, going through testicular cancer saved my life for my bowel cancer journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And it is um, really interesting to reflect back on a time like this that sounds like it was an enormous hardship in anyone's language and to see that you've not only learned important lessons that have saved your life, um, but you've got a roadmap for managing good mental health into the future because you know what that looks like. And no doubt your um, your partner, Amber, who I believe has been with you for, for quite a while, uh, gets the, the benefit of having a man who is able to work with his feelings and work with his health in a way that means you're both going to do great for the long term. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, spot on. And I think it's something that, you know, I still have days where I struggle and, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm well aware of that. And I know my mental health can be pretty fragile. So I still see my psychologist regularly. You know, I spoke to her only a few days ago uh, via the phone with obviously everything going on, power of technology, we can do that like we're doing now, um, which is fantastic. So I suppose I know it's a work in progress and I know I've been through those really darker days of my life, but I'm, uh, I acknowledge that and I'm, I'm prepared to keep working on that and seeing my psychologist and 
you know, if I'm having some down days, I'll be open about that with Amber and we kind of really share our emotions, which I think is really important. And unfortunately, I think it's something that a lot of men probably don't do all too well, and uh, which is why this mental health, or sorry, this men's health week uh, in particular, it's, it's important to generate these conversations. So if you've got a bloke in your life, you can kind of encourage them to, to just share, share how they're feeling uh, and also just, you know, encourage that, that conversation, which I think is so important. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's nothing wimpy about sharing your feelings on, on anything really and the, the pearl of wisdom that um, some of the, the tough blokes might like to get from the women's perspective is that it's not weakness, women like it. So, mm. um, you know, don't hold back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Hugo, I'm really inspired by um, the positivity you've taken from uh, what could have been a really, um, you know, a really negative story. You've turned it into something that's great. And, and as I understand it, you do a whole lot of fundraising for Movember and a lot of work raising awareness for men's health. So it's great to be able to have a conversation with you about this during Men's Health Week. Um, any final messages you'd like to leave to the blokes that are listening um, that might just save their lives? Yeah, sure. No, absolutely, Amanda. And it's, um, I've got a couple of points and I think a big one here is, especially for young men who might not even have a regular uh, relationship with a GP or a doctor, I think it is so important that we all should have a, a regular or a local GP that we can build up a strong relationship with because point. not only is it important to have annual checkups, uh, which we should all be doing, even if we're feeling great, it's so important to have those checkups. But if you build that relationship up with a GP, if something does go wrong or you do have something like a lump on your testicle or, or something like that, then you feel confident enough to kind of give your GP a call and go see them. And I think that's... um. A really big point I'd like all men listening, if you kind of are listening to this right now and you think, actually, to be honest with you, I probably haven't even seen my GP in a few years, use this as a bit of a prompt to go, you know what, I'm going to go book in for an appointment now. So I think that's, um, that's one. And then the only final point, which kind of touches on everything we've kind of talked about, and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about, is that there is absolutely no shame in seeking help. So that can be all avenues, whether it be a mate to reach out to a family member or being a, a, a medical uh, clinician uh, or a medical expert, there is no shame in seeking help uh, and that you're never alone. So if you are struggling and you are listening to this or you know someone who is struggling, you are never alone and you never have to go through these things. And something I've been so fortunate with the army, having all the support from the army and my, my beautiful partner and my family is that there is so much support out there. So please realize that and uh, know that there are so many avenues of support. But thanks very much for having me on the show, Amanda. Hugo, thank you so much. I really hope that the future has lots of good health in store for you. Um, happy times with Amber and the dogs and um, a career in which you do get to achieve all those goals that you've been working towards, all in the service of our country. Thank you so much for your time. No worries, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. Bye. 